Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to look ahead to what is the most anticipated regular season game in NFL history, a matchup the likes of which we've never seen before. And to preview that game and to look at the men involved in it, we are going to talk to my friend, my colleague, and the former Patriots linebacker, Teddy Bruschi himself. We'll also be joined by the man who has represented Tom Brady throughout his entire NFL career, the agent, Don Yee. Teddy Bruschi and Don Yee offer their insights into the psychological component of the Sunday night matchup in Foxborough between the New England Patriots and Tampa Bay Buccaneers that will dominate the storylines heading into week four. Of course, there are the storylines from week three. And there are a couple of things that stood out to me right away. Isn't it funny how all summer long we hear the fan bases in Chicago and San Francisco and New England and Jacksonville and New York all clamor for their rookie quarterbacks. And then lo and behold, the rookie quarterbacks get their chance and we see what an overwhelming task it is to step in to try to save many franchises that are down and out and to try to elevate their play and develop as young quarterbacks when it is so hard to do when you're being pressured, there's not a lot of talent around you and your team is losing. Look at what happened this past weekend, week three. There were five rookie quarterbacks that got the start this past weekend. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Davis Mills, and the five of them combined for an 0-5 record. All of them lost by double digits, and all looked like they might be light years away from being ready. Now, if we go back to look at the quarterback class of 2018, at a similar point in their rookie careers, people might have asked the same questions about Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. And lo and behold, all of those quarterbacks were victorious this past week. And I think there's something in there. It's called patience. And it seems to be something that a lot of fan bases lack these days. And we lose sight of how long it takes to learn to play what is the toughest position in all of sports. And sometimes when these quarterbacks get called on, they're just not ready, no matter how much the fan bases want to see these players try to save their franchises. And earlier this summer, Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, declined to name Trevor Lawrence's starting quarterback until basically the week before the regular season opener. And people scoffed at the idea that somehow he could or would start veteran C.J. Beathard over the most celebrated quarterback prospect, Trevor Lawrence, since Andrew Luck. And yet he truly did consider it. And now we see why Trevor Lawrence heads into Thursday night's game, not having won a game with the chance to lose his fourth game of the season, which is as many as he lost, I believe in all of high school and all of college together. And these quarterbacks that are supposed to save these franchises just aren't ready right now. It takes some time. And hopefully they're all given the time they need to grow into the fine quarterbacks that they have the chance to be. Not all of them will be, but they've all got the skills, which is why they were drafted as high as they were, to be great quarterbacks in the league. And now we'll see who can be patient, who can be nurturing, who can grow these quarterbacks into the players that they're supposed to be. But everybody got what they wanted. And sometimes it's, and sometimes you have to be careful what you wish for. The other thing that stood out to me this past week, being in Dallas on Monday night, Dallas Cowboys feel like they're going to walk away with that NFC East title right now. Giants aren't going to stay with them. The Washington football team doesn't seem like it can stay with Dallas. And the Eagles certainly don't seem like they can stay with Dallas right now. Right now, that looks like a one-team race. And it looks like the Cowboys are back. The defense is vastly improved. And this is a team that could make some noise later in the season. But everybody wondered, how the Cowboys would fare. Dak's been better than a lot of people, myself included, thought he would be early on. He's been unbelievable. One of the top players in the league. Somebody who I think could vie for the MVP award. And the defense 
has been vastly improved, which is why Dallas is back. And when Dallas is back, sometimes the league is a little bit more fun to cover and it's a little bit more interesting. All right, let's get to this week's guests. Let's get to the matchup Sunday night. Let's get to the game that everybody's talking about. And let's get to some of the stories behind the central storyline of Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick, the Buccaneers versus the Patriots, the most celebrated Sunday night matchup, regular season matchup that we've ever seen. And we will start it off with Tom Brady's former teammate, a man who serves as the senior advisor to the head football coach at the University of Arizona, a man who works as the defensive coordinator of his son's high school, a man who's a three-time Super Bowl champion, the NFL Comeback Player of the Year, in the Patriots Hall of Fame, a two-time All-American at Arizona. I can go on and on with all the accolades that he's achieved, but it doesn't even measure up to the type of person and man that he is, as you'll hear in his comments and words, the great Teddy Bruschi. Always nice to see Teddy Bruschi, and I appreciate you doing this. <laughs> sure, man. No problem. Everything going right? Yeah, everything's going good. It's raining here, up here a lot, but uh, don't know about high school football practice th- today, but uh, we'll see. Do they practice in the rain, Teddy? We have before. We get one little bit of lightning. It's done, though. Yeah. We'll see. Are you coaching at all, or are you just? Yeah, I'm the D coordinator for uh, my son's team, Bishop Fian High School. Yeah. Hold on. So you are the special assistant to the coach at Arizona. You're the D coordinator at your son's high school, and you are the main man on the Sunday countdown set. So you got a well, lot going on. So I, I, I'm, I'm proud that I, I touch on all three levels of football, high school, college, and pro. That's unbelievable. Yeah, I pretty much touch on everyone throughout the course of my day, through my, uh, my meetings with Coach Fish, you know, conversations, you know, things like that, phone calls, Zoom meetings, all that stuff. And then, of course, prepping for the show during the week in the NFL, talking to people, and then getting hands-on with my kids. What's that like? Uh, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. I, I, um, I'm used to something that they're not used to. <laughs> you know, it's just a, a different... Uh, a different life, man, a different coaching sort of, uh, sort of environment. But, uh, you know, I temper myself and thinking, well, yeah, this isn't, this isn't the NFL. So just find a way to do it a little bit, a little more simplified and it's still going to be okay. Yeah. Is it frustrating for you because you know just what to do and they're at a different level, they're learning it, they're teenagers. How do you do that? Uh, patience and humility, really. I mean, you got to realize I was once there too. And I was a high school player and I know what it's like at the high school level. And I just try to compliment and help any way I can because all of these volunteers and coaches are either teachers or dads or anything like that. And they've got, they've got a lot going on themselves. You know, it's funny you say that because last week I'm watching Dylan, my daughter, interviewed Darren Waller on Nickelodeon. And it was the first interview I got proud? to watch her do. And I got to tell you something. First of all, I was a basket case. I was so nervous. And there was so much I wanted to impart to her. And I yeah. also had to remember that she's 12 years old and seventh grade. And this isn't her job the way it's our job to do certain things on television. It was very yeah. hard for me, Teddy. Yeah, I literally forced myself from, you know, critiquing my son and scouting him stop scouting your sons. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I, my natural eye, evaluating a prospect for the draft. All right. Uh, critically analyzing a player or a defense. This is your son. Give him a hug and tell him how good he's doing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Just, just, just really making sure you do that. So is it intentional that you are involved at all three levels, high school, college, and pros, or did that just sort of happen? And you said, wow, this is kind of cool that I'm involved at all three levels. Yeah, it, it, it just happened. Of course, this is my 13th year with the company, with ESPN, and I have a blast doing that. So the NFL level's covered. Um, you know, Coach Fish, Jed being with New England last year, there was the connection. Then he went to Arizona. And so I've had a great time. I mean, went there in the spring. I get out there whenever I can. And just the, the Zoom culture really uh, aids in the process of me being a consultant. That helps a lot. And then... And I've been, my son, even my middle son, Rex, played football there too at the high school, which I've helped out. So they just sort of just all came together in one year. So that's the way it is now for me. And I love it. And what, your son's in his junior year there now? My son is, yes. 
Yeah. And so what when he's done there, are your defensive coordinator high school days done then as well? Um, more than likely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then it'll just be college in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I hope to dive a little bit more into, you know, even the University of Arizona, things like that too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now you bring up New England. Mm-hmm. And I have you on this weekend because there's a little something going on in New England this week. A little something, yeah. A little something. Just curious, your overall take on what's about to unfold this weekend in a general sense. I don't know if the stadium will ever have another, you know, conflict of emotions again, you know, from, from what they're about to see. Usually it's everyone's on the same page in the stadium. I'm take, I'm talking from the fan perspective of you cheer, you know, you hope for a win, you hope cheer on the offense, the defense, the special teams. But I just think Tom is so loved here also that they may find themselves, you know, maybe cheering when he does well, <laughs> because I just think that's when, I think there is a faction of people that feel so strongly about him. I mean, there's the other side too about, nah, you're with the other team now. Boo. We hope you do. You don't do well, but still, I mean, that's 20 years of just giving every fiber of your being to winning six championships. And that just doesn't go away. You are in that same category too, I guess, because you obviously have deep, strong connections to the Patriots organization. That's like a family to you, a second family. Yeah. And Tom is a great friend of yours. So I would imagine what you go through on Sunday when you watch that game will not be all that different from what any fan is experiencing that, that night as well. That is true. Um, I, I think it helps that Tom won a Super Bowl last year and I can say to myself, okay, man, you're good. Go ahead and get them guys. <laughs> <laughs> you got yours last year. You got the title. All right, fellas, McCordy, Hightower, go take care of business because make them pay the price now. <laughs> <laughs> go get them. That's my conflict right there. That's quite a conflict. That's quite a conflict. Will you have any contact with Tom before the game? Are you going to the game? I know we have Sunday countdown on site at Gillette Stadium Sunday morning for all the people in the Boston area that want to come out and go cheer on Teddy and throw eggs at him and everything like that. Go right ahead. Please do that. Although throw the eggs at Rex more than Teddy, right? Like Yeah, yeah. come on. Come on out and see us. I think we're going to be right outside the pro shop. So come on out and see us. Me, Hass, Hasselbeck, Moss. Ryan and Ponder, we'll all be out there. You're going to be out there too. So I'm going to be home. Uh, the show will be there. It's going to be fun. You'll be at home. Uh, they, they, they told me to stay home, okay. which actually it's my daughter's birthday. It works out pretty well, Teddy. All right, Dylan. Happy my daughter's birthday. birthday. I get to be home with my daughter on her birthday. And I got to fly to LA that night for the Chargers Raiders Monday night game in LA. So rather than go to Boston to LA and then I have to go to Denver on Monday night to do a feature in Denver that I've been working on for a while. So I'm glad with all due respect, as much as I would love to be with you all Sunday and taste your almond croissants in Boston, uh, I'll be staying home in New York, having my New York bagels and then going out to L.A. uh, Still delicious New York bagels. Yes. Okay. The the communication with Tom. um, I don't know if I'll talk to him with with him and I. It's very random. It's been a couple of weeks. You know, he is one of my best friends, too. So I, I. I definitely um, wish him well. And once in a while, we'll shoot a text or call or something like that. But yeah. not not this week. I think I'll leave him alone. He's got a lot going on. Yeah. Are you, are you going to the game? I am not going to the game. Um, my sons are all going to the game. They're like, Dad, don't give away those tickets. Okay. You, you make sure. My sons are coming back from college to see this. Really? Yes, because they were like, it's, they, it's just something, I mean, they're, they love Tom too and they're fans and everything. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's Wait, so well, why, why are you not going with your sons to the game? Not enough Bruski tickets. What's the deal? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've never sat in my seats. I've never gone to a game like that. It's either been, you know, Robert, Mr. Kraft has always, uh, had me up there in his box. I, I haven't sit in the stands. That's where my seats are. I've got season tickets there, but uh, my sons will just use those. Yeah. So they're going to go and you'll be home watching the game on TV. Yes. Yes. I have my own. I mean, I need to watch more than one. I mean, no, it's, it's actually at eight o'clock. So it'll be, it'll be great to see that. It's the only one I can focus on, but uh, yeah, I'll watch all, all the other games and then wait for that one. Come on. This show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors. I do. You do. We all do big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had, 
happened in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. So you saw Tom come in and you saw the rise of the Patriots dynasty. You were part of all that. Yeah. And when we look back on it, Teddy, why do you think that it came to an end? Wow. Why do I think it came to an end? Um, I think Tom wanted to search and, and see if, I mean, it, it could be done another way. You know, I think there's one, there's one constant with the, the Patriots organization and that is Bill Belichick. And I think his greatness as a coach and his greatness as being able to use everything that he believes in on how to keep a team and maintain a team is that he does not change. He will not change in terms of how he handles things and how he feels things should be done. What happens over the course of a 20 year career, okay, that, that, that Tom had there, you as a person come into the NFL as, you know, an underdeveloped man in terms of like emotionally relationship wise and your focus is all on football and all of a sudden over the course of my career also and Tom's you get older you get married you have children other things get important and you start to realize and learn that man I can still be successful and have have a championship mentality but still be this way now like earlier in Tom's career, I mean, you're, you're, he said it, you're singularly, singularly focused on being the best quarterback I can be and winning championships, but that focus then broadens, all right? And as the, fo- as, as the focus broadens, you realize other things are more important. So, so you look at the workplace and it's like, well, you know, I see it all differently. So this is the way I feel things should be done. There's one change that won't happen. And that's with Bill. So that's what I think happened. Tom, Tom becoming another way and seeing things a different way, but Bill only seeing it the same way that even Tom was in his early parts of his career. And that's where the fracture sort of happened. And neither one is right or neither one is wrong. It's just that Tom decides to move on and bring his TB12 principles and formula to another team and to try to do things the way that he wants to have them done there. Is that correct? Is my assumption there accurate? Yeah, that's a... That is a definite part of who Tom is in terms of Alex Guerrero and the friend that he is to Tom and how he has aided him and be in terms of being who he is right now and still having that sustained success. And that relationship, and I'm using words like relationship and, and evolving as a person and all of that stuff when I talk about Tom and what he's gotten to be is super important to him. And I think winning that championship last year in Tampa Bay, I think it validated to him that there is more than one way to do things. Hmm. And then it's okay to do it that way. So, and I think he needed that championship because the way that Bill was to him as a teacher and a mentor was tremendous in him becoming who he is. But so him saying, I just, I just have other things that are important to me. I got to go, man. And then it's still happening for him validates who he is right now and each guy will say respectful and kind things about the other all week long of course and i I really do believe there's genuine heartfelt feelings there i don't think it's bitter and animosity i don't believe that but it doesn't mean that they don't want to beat each other this week so if they were to be fed truth serum what would bill say about facing tom this week and what would tom say about facing bill this week uh I, th- I think the truth serum would still make Bill talk about 
game plan wise and, and getting pressure up the middle of the pocket and, and all those analytical things about getting to Tom and getting pressure on Tom and rerouting receivers and throwing off timing and all of that stuff. That's Bill's truth serum. Um, Tom's truth serum past the, uh, you know, I'm appreciative and all this, love yeah, the fans yeah. and all that stuff is I want to beat his ass. And definitely that's a, uh, I mean, Tom is, has won the Super Bowl and he's proved his point, but he still, he still has that in him to go one up somebody and still go in there and say, I still want to prove my point to you. And, and, and I know he'll be, he'll be talking about the game and it's, 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 it's the game. They help the team. They're coming off a loss against the Rams and all that stuff. But the one difference I think from Tom Brady and Bill Belichick is that Tom Brady is a very emotional human. And those, I think those emotions come out on the football field at, at mostly on the football field. You know, he's a very, I mean, along being sensitive and kind and, and a very good man and all of that stuff. He is a killer. Okay. And that's the one, that's the side that I've seen. If in, in a lot of people have seen on the football field, I think that's going to come out on Sunday. Well, how will that work on Sunday night with all the emotion that will be in that stadium? How will that affect somebody who I think has become a master over the years at controlling his emotion and channeling it into a positive force? Yet there will be so much emotion that night. Will it be any different than any other game or will it be no different than a Super Bowl that he's played in? Yeah, there was a moment in our first Super Bowl when we were in the tunnel and Tom's just manhandling Drew Bledsoe and headbutting him and bam, hitting him. And like, um, I told you I'd get you here. Boom, we're going to do this and all that going crazy like a linebacker would. And Willie McGinnis grabbed him and like literally said, man, calm down. You're the quarterback of this team. You need to calm down. And so now that was a long time ago. I don't think he's that out of control anymore you know, in terms of going out and before a game, but this will be the toughest test for him to suppress all of that, to still stay calm, still stay calm and play the quarterback position with the calm sort of demeanor that it needs. You know, this may be Teddy. I've had people say this and I don't disagree with this. This may be the most anticipated regular season game in NFL history. Think about it this way. We've got a coach who's won how many Super Bowls has Bill won? Six as a head coach. Yeah, two more as a coordinator, yeah. Eight. Two more as eight Super Bowls altogether. Tom's won seven. Yeah. Tom's the greatest quarterback. Tom's the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Bill's the greatest coach in NFL history. A player who played in one place 20 years, going back after he won a Super Bowl. within a, Like, think about the circumstances. We've yeah. never seen anything like that. And I would venture to say in our lifetimes, we probably never will. Right. And it's because we never thought it would happen. Um, I mean, eventually things come to an end and I understand that, but realistically did, you know, I didn't, gosh, I remember, man, I remember being in a limo, not a limo, but like an SUV with Tom and, um, and we were talking about just the lot that just the whole Patriots career and bill and all of that stuff. And I remember telling him, you know, the odds are good that you probably won't finish in new England. And this was, whew, this had to be six or seven years ago. And that was just me sort of like, just a, like a moment of like, you know, the way it's gone with bill in the past and learning Tom and his goal of his longevity. I'm like, well, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I don't know if I, I mean, I, I didn't want to believe it because, I mean, I'm a lifelong patriot and love Tommy. And I was hoping he was going to, he was going to stay there the whole time. And I was like, they'll work it out. They'll work it, work it out. But that was like just me being naive about that because I have that little part in me. But there's also that realism that I was like, I knew this was going to happen eventually. What was his reaction when you told him that, Teddy? He did not disagree. And I think uh, we both knew that it was a high possibility of, of happening. Yeah. And it's happened. And you brought up that car ride and you brought up that moment in the tunnel with Willie McGinnis telling him to calm down because Tom was so out of his mind with emotion at that point in time. And you had the pleasure, fortune, honor of playing with him as long as you did. 
When you think back to playing with him, what's the one Tom Brady story that comes to your mind that symbolizes the type of player, man, champion he has been throughout his NFL career? Wow. That, that's a hard question because um, if there was one, he just wouldn't have, he wouldn't be who he is. Well, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when I say that? I mean, it could be dueling stories. It could be anything. I, I would just, man, I, I think of, I always go back to the beginning and I, and I think of 2001 and I think of how he came, came up and then Bledsoe going down. I mean, I was part of the, the sort of generation that knew Tom before he was, you know, Tom, you know what I mean? And that, that's that, that four word, four letter animal word, that goat word. I don't really use a lot because I mean, I remember when it was like, just, just hit the check down, buddy, just hit the check down, you know, <laughs> and we'll be fine. Let us play defense. Um, probably let me go with the, as we get into the Carolina Super Bowl, and Casey kicks the ball out of bounds. Uh, it was on the kickoff, which made it, I think it was on the 40 yard line, the penalty. And I had never really had um, the confidence. I mean, not, not the confidence, but like the feeling of like an inevitable, an inevitable win. All right. But, and that's the point where I started to realize who Tom was becoming that game and how he would take certain parts of that game. And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because of 2001, 2002, not making the, not making the, the playoffs. And then 2003, the run that we had there and then him through that Super Bowl. And finally I felt, man, this guy right here is going to be great. And there's no way we're not going to get this field goal to win the game. That's a moment I remember. There are a lot of them though, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's the flu game when he played in uh, Pittsburgh, the AFC championship game. A lot of moments along the 07 undefeated regular season. Um, the way he came back after the ACL. Um, I mean, the the he talks about relationships so much, you know, relationships and, you know, the people that are important to him. And it's really truthful. It's really truthful about how the way he was able to change teams, Adam, and, you know, you have a lot of quarterbacks changing teams, but changing teams in one year and then all of a sudden winning the Super Bowl. There's so much more to it than just throwing the ball to Mike Evans or throwing a ball and bringing Gronkowski. It's how it's how he makes all of what ask any of those Bucks players. Do you have a relationship with Tom Brady? And they'll be like, oh, man, me and Tom oh, all the time. Now you told me about this and all that stuff. And that's the thing. That's the thing. And that's what's so unique about the quarterback position that some people don't understand. The more you believe in the guy that's that's pulling that trigger is the harder you'll play for him sometimes because there's a direct correlation. And Tom makes everyone feel like there's a relationship with him and they're, they're important with him and it's genuine and they're a team. There was an agent, Marvin Demoff, great man, great agent, still alive. Love the guy. Represented John Elway and Dan Marino. And because you represented John Elway, I had dealings with him and the Broncos and got the chance to talk to other teams. And every team I spoke to raved about how close they were with Marvin Demoff. Hmm. And they said, we've got a great relationship with Marvin Demoff. And then at one point it dawned on me that that's the way that he does it with everybody. And that's one of the things that made him the great agent that he was in the prime of his career, because everybody thought they were close with Marvin Demoff and every buck thinks that they have that relationship yeah. with Tom Brady, which is just one more reason that his play is elevated the way that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And every past teammate, you'll, you'll have, you'll have that, you'll have similar stories about how they feel about him. And I mean, he knows the importance of teammates and people. Teddy, you know, you know, whenever I meet an NFL veteran, like this past weekend, I was in Michigan and I bumped into Jason Avant, who used to play wide receiver in the NFL. And I said, Jason, how long did you play for? He said, 10 years. So you made it 10 years. You know what that tells me? Tells me that you're a great individual with great character because you don't play 10 years in the NFL. You don't play as long as you did in the NFL, Teddy, without having all the extra stuff that we're talking about, the intangibles, the character, the work ethic, the lead, the get it factor. Yeah. The relationships, yeah. all the extra stuff is what separates the great ones from the people that have talent. 
You don't yeah. stick around 10 years. You don't become Marvin Demoff. You don't become John Elway, uh, Teddy Bruschi, Tom Brady. You don't do that unless there's the extra stuff on top of the talents that God blessed you with. Yeah, Adam, you're right. And the coaches look for it. You know, the good coaches are like, you know, who's going to, you know, the future of the team, the building blocks, foundation, that the, those words that are used, it all comes back to the teammate, the relationships, you know, the importance of, of being around people and inspiring people is important. Hey, Teddy, have an almond croissant for me on Sunday when I'm not there on set. <laughs> yep, we'll get him from CC Seller. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll miss you this week. I'll look forward to seeing you in studio next week. Keep my seat warm for me. I appreciate the time today. I hope your family enjoys the game Sunday night. And thank you very much for the time today. Thanks for having me on, Shefty. Loved it. There is Teddy Bruschi, the Patriots' former third-round draft pick from the 1996 draft, a man who played for the Patriots from 1996 through 2008 and got the chance up close and personal to watch Tom Brady begin to grow into the legend that he is today. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. From Tom Brady's former teammate to Tom Brady's longtime agent, the man who has represented him since the time he left Michigan and entered the NFL, Agent Don Yee. Don. Hey, how you doing, Adam? Nice to see you. You too. How's everything going? Everything's good. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah. Big week, Don. Yeah. Big week. It's a big week, yeah. Every big week, week is a big week, though, right? Every week is a big week. Every week. I'm in year, let's see. Well, actually, this month is my 33rd anniversary in the NFL, so every week's a big week. You've been involved in the NFL for 33 years. I've covered the NFL for 31 years, and you've represented yes. Tom Brady since the day he left my alma mater, Michigan. How does that happen? How did you get Tom Brady? Give me the story behind how you landed this guy. What did you see in him that other people didn't? And what enabled you to go get this guy? The story about this is, is that my partner, Steve Dubin, is a Michigan alum. And uh, every year um, in the spring, we would kind of uh, somehow obtain some spring grades on the upcoming seniors for the next year. And uh, as I was reading the reports, uh, you know, I came across Tom and I told my partner, Steve, at the time that uh, I said, uh, you know, I think I'm just going to watch this guy all year, every game. Um, he's from California. He's got the right frame. And uh, I think I'm just going to commit to watching every Michigan game this coming season. And really, it was kind of a dig toward my partner, Steve, because he knew that I was had always kidded him about the fact that the uh, Michigan offense was uh, a bit, let's call it archaic. Their offense had always been archaic. Yeah, a little archaic. And so I'd essentially just committed to watching every single game. I watched every game that year. And, uh, and you know, this was pre TiVo. I didn't have, there was, I didn't have a DVR or anything. So you literally had to actually set aside the time on a Saturday to watch that game, you know, didn't do any, didn't do any uh, good things for my social life, but uh, I watched all the games and, you know, I just have to say it was pretty crystal clear to me, at least in my own personal opinion at the time uh, that uh, he was going to be an important uh, uh, get for us if we could, somehow convince him to be a client. So how do you convince him to be a client? You know, back then it was, it was a lot different. The business was very, very different uh, at the time. And uh, we uh, met his father and then arranged a meeting uh, with him once the season was completely over. This was after the Orange Bowl. And that really doesn't happen like that anymore. You know, the 
players are now recruited from the time they're juniors in high school, essentially. Um, and so we, we just let his entire senior season play out the bowl game and then uh, met with him after. And then uh, the rest, I think I'll save for my book. <laughs> what you are writing one day. We've talked about, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. But, but let me ask this question. You watch Tom Brady while he's playing in Michigan. Yes. And you thought he had a chance to be a good quarterback, maybe a very good quarterback, maybe a great quarterback, but you couldn't have imagined that Tom Brady would be Tom Brady. Well, look, I'm just going to share with you how I felt at the time and what my level of conviction was. Uh, It was crystal clear to me that he could be a great player and win Super Bowls. It was very clear to me. Now, people can choose to believe that or not, but that was how I felt. And here's the thing that I've known you since the early 1990s, and I know you are a man of great honor and integrity and honesty. So when you say that, I believe that. I know you're telling me the truth, but I I still don't understand what you saw that 32 other teams did not see in Tom Brady. Well, I mean, look, all of those games are on tape. Anybody can go back and watch them. And I actually think, you know, if the average fan were to go back and watch those games, I think most people would also say it's pretty crystal clear that this guy has ability. And uh, most importantly, he had a lot of poise, a lot of passion. And uh, it was just pretty obvious to me. And as you know, Adam, you know, how NFL teams scout players, um, maybe this is a little bit inside baseball for the average fan. But look, there's only 32 NFL teams, meaning there's only 32 NFL general managers. There's only 32 college scouting directors. There's 100 U.S. senators, and you can buy that job. You can't buy one of these 32. So once you get in this position, uh, it's a difficult position to obtain, and you're going to do everything you can to stay in that job. So what does this mean? It means that the scouting process isn't necessarily one where they're focused on finding the very best players. They're focused on finding the best players that also help them keep their job. So a lot of things get compromised in the process. But the best player does keep their job. No, I mean, like if you know that Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady, you pick him. You would think so. But again, you know, if, if I were to provide my own content, Adam, okay, the title of it would be Counterintuition. Because that's really how this business works. Things don't necessarily work according to logic in the NFL. That's what I've always loved and enjoyed talking to you about because you don't think the way that other people think. You have a more open mind about certain concepts. You're broad mind. You're bit. You're a big thinker, Don. You're a big thinker. Oh, I, I appreciate that, Adam. But you know, I think that was also born out of necessity. Um, you know, I when I started in this business, I was a complete outsider. I didn't play the game. My background actually was in professional baseball. So I had no connections to the football industry. I didn't have a relative that was employed by a team. I didn't coach, didn't play, none of that. So I I really came at the industry uh, as a complete outsider with my own perspective. And I just kind of followed my intuition. And luckily, I had worked in professional sports for many years prior uh, to my entry into the football world. So I just kind of used those principles uh, along with my own instincts. And, you know, I, I got very lucky and very, it's been a privilege to work with, not just with Tom, but, you know, many, many other great players. And you've represented many of them. How did you get your way into the football industry? Was that through Marvin Demoff, who was previously mentioned in this very podcast, a conversation about him earlier with Teddy Bruschi? Did Marvin bring you in, Don? No, no, actually not at all. I actually did not know him. I, when I started, I was a uh, first-year lawyer at a large corporate law firm in downtown Los Angeles. And um, I actually was trying to get away from the sports business. I had worked in the sports business since the time I was a young teenager. So I got to see what it was really like behind the scenes. And I, I had a great time, but the business end of it, I actually did not like. And I also had worked... Uh, as a sports talk show producer in the late 70s. 
uh, and got to see what the media side of the business was like as well. And by the time I was a, a young lawyer, I had decided I really wanted to actually get away from the sports business. But uh, I got drawn into it uh, as a young first year lawyer. And uh, from then on, I said, OK, well, if I'm going to do this. I want to do it a certain way. Uh, and so I started slowly building my practice within the confines of this larger law firm. And I think about, yes, about six years into it, uh, I met Marvin and Marvin, uh, obviously, as you know, one of the legendary uh, sports representatives of any sport, of any sport uh, in the sports industry. And at that time, uh, he probably had the broadest, deepest, most talented uh, client base uh, in the industry. You mentioned the honor and privilege that has been to work in this league and represent some of the players that you have. And I always say that you can tell a lot by a player, by the person who represents him. You have had men who largely have been ace characters, great players, men of their community. Who are some of the guys that stand out to you during the course of your 30 plus years in this business. Though. Oh, this is a tough question because obviously sometimes, you know, you You're gonna forget somebody. certain names yeah. out. Right. And that's not my intention, but, but, you know, there's just so many, I mean, um, whether it's somebody like a Ty Detmer who won the Heisman trophy in 1994, um, Bryant Young, San Francisco 49er, who I think should be in the hall of fame. I'm biased, of course. Right. But um, I got to work with Jonathan Ogden, the young point in his career, Larry Allen, young point in his career, um, you know, just so many and coaches as well. Sean Payton, you know, who I think has done, uh, frankly, I, 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 again, I'm biased, but I, I frankly, I don't think people really can truly understand the magnitude of what he's done along with Mickey Loomis there at the New Orleans Saints. I mean, this New Orleans Saints, prior to Sean's arrival, they had you know, very brief periods of success, but largely that was seen as the NFL backwater. Now, the New Orleans Saints are seen as a place that not only has a distinct culture of winning, but there's an expectation by fans all across the country that the Saints should win. And uh, to see Sean accomplish that's been a privilege uh, of mine. Um, but there have been just so many great players. Julian Edelman, uh, another one who, you know, it's just been a lot of fun working with people like him. And you bring up Tom and we bring up Michigan and we bring up the fact that your partner, Steve Dubin, went to Michigan. If Steve Dubin had gone to Illinois or had gone to Stanford or had gone to UCLA, would you have gone after Tom Brady and gotten him in the way <laughs> in which you did? You know, that's a that's a great question, Adam. That is, a you know, sometimes it's uh, lady luck. You just need lady luck, Adam. <laughs> so what's the answer, Don? The answer is befriend people from schools like Michigan or Alabama, or <laughs> I think that's the answer. <laughs> well, it's very fortuitous that Steve happened to go to the great university in Ann Arbor there that enabled you to hone in on a quarterback there who turned out to be the greatest quarterback in NFL history, who now is playing in the most anticipated regular season game in NFL history in my mind. There you go. And if I, yeah. And if I ever write at least my own book, you know, I'll, maybe someday I'll disclose what his reply was when I said, Hey, I'm going to follow this player, Tom Brady, the rest of the season. <laughs> he, he didn't believe in him, did he? <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> We had a lot of fun. Let's just say we had a lot of fun that season. And so your relationship now with Tom goes over 20 years, Don. And at a, at a time when a lot of players get rid of a lot of agents and agents get rid of players, why has this relationship stood the test of time and been able to hold up? You know, I can only speak uh, from my perspective, you know, and, and just so we're clear, I never uh, – uh, ever try to speak for my players because they can express themselves. So I, I never put myself in position to where it's perceived that I'm putting words in their mouth. I can only speak for myself. Um, you know, there's a lot of mutual respect. Um, I think we have a lot of shared values. And uh, I really think there's, you know, when it comes to football and just um, the actual game, not the business, the actual game. I think we share a lot of the same objectives. 
What's it like? What's it been like for you to watch Tom grow and succeed and accomplish all that he has during his NFL career? Well, I mean, it's it's been the ride of a lifetime because um, I mean, what he's accomplished is so enormous Mm -hmm. that, you know, in the in even within the broad scope of all of NFL history, what he's accomplished is so enormous that really um, he's kind of established, frankly, in my view, at least his own metric. I don't even think it's fair to compare anybody uh, against the metrics he's now establishing. It's, it's, it's kind of just beyond that type of discussion. Uh, and again, I have to emphasize, that's just my personal view, but, but that's how I see it. And where will you be watching the game Sunday night, Don? Oh, I'll, I'll be in my family room. Um, thank, thank God for new television technology. Uh, makes the game very enjoyable, but that's where I'll be. I, I, you know, I, I'm not a very social football game watcher, Adam, uh, because it is my livelihood. And uh, it's, a, it's a strange uh, emotion to watch your livelihood play out like that. So you're going to be home. You're not going to the game. No, I will not go to the game. I, I'm still, uh, you know, taking a lot of COVID precautions, let's say. Good for you. Good for you. Mm-hmm. We'd like to see that. Don, I want to thank you for your time today. But more important, I want to thank you for being a friend and colleague over 30 years here. We've known each other for a long time, right? A long time. And, you know, we both uh, had a very fun front seat to a lot of developments in the business and industry and hope that there's many more years to come. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you very much for the time today. Enjoy. Enjoy. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Enjoy the game Sunday night, Don. All right. I will. Have fun this weekend. There is Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee, who has had the chance to have history unfold in front of his eyes since the day that he represented Tom Brady entering the NFL after he left Michigan. Michigan also happens to be the place that I had the chance to visit on Friday. It was my son's fraternity's Father's Day weekend, and I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage compared to some of the other fathers who get to come in and go to the football game and stay through Sunday. I get to go in but 24 hours because I got to get back for NFL Sunday countdown. So I had the occasion and the pleasure to fly in Sunday morning, get in there about 1130 into Detroit. And my son had classes until 330, which left me about four free spare hours that I don't normally ever have on a Friday. And I really didn't know what to do. And it just so happened that that day, a friend of mine reached out and said, Hey, Adam, I know you're going to Ann Arbor this weekend. If you get the chance, go meet Claiborne Green and Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald's the Michigan defensive coordinator. And I don't know Claiborne Green's exact title, but basically uh, he works with the players and is the bridge between the players and academics to help them uh, get through school and to do their jobs the right way. And so started texting with them, wound up going down to the Michigan football office after having lunch at Michigan and spending an afternoon with the around the Michigan football team that I didn't expect to have. Got to meet Mike McDonald, the young defensive coordinator. Impressive guy. One day, he's going to be a head coach. And Claiborne Green, great job doing what he's done with these young men uh, to keep them on track and to make sure their work gets done. And the outstanding Michigan sports information people, Dave Obloff and Chad Shepard, they walked me down to practice, which was just great because when I walked down, uh, one of the very first people that I got to see was Jim Harbaugh. And when I saw coach, I said to him, we were talking, do you remember the last time coach that we spent some time together? And he looked at me with a blank expression, couldn't remember. And I said, about three years ago, it was February and I was flown into Michigan to lead a fireside chat at the Michigan theater with a man that was thinking of running for president, Joe Biden and Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh introduced us that day. And the three of us were backstage, me, Jim Harbaugh, and Joe Biden, before we got to do this fireside chat. And before Joe Biden announced officially that he was going to be running for president of the United States. And I tried to pin him down in front of a packed Michigan theater pre-pandemic before that happened. 
to get him to tell everybody, yes, I'm running for president. I thought that would have been so cool for him to admit that right there because we all sensed it was going that way, that he was going to do that. And ultimately, he didn't announce it that night, but he was so gracious that night. When we got done, he took me to a back room for about 10, 15 minutes, was asking all about my family, my wife, my two children. And I could tell that night the type of man Joe Biden was. And it was enjoyable to spend time with him that night and to see coach. And that was the last time that I saw Jim Harbaugh, which I reminded him about on Friday before Michigan played Rutgers. And he had completely forgotten about it until I told him. And that was a fun little memory to relive with him. And when I go back to Michigan, I think back to all those great times that that school has enabled me to be a part of. It's provided me with so many memories and so many great times. And this past weekend was another great one, getting to visit my son on Father's Day weekend. Although I will say I could use a little less travel. This is getting a little bit difficult and challenging, but that's the way that goes. Now, in the interim, we begin to lock in and get ready for Sunday night's big matchup. It's not the only big matchup of the weekend, I should say. Also, some incredible storylines. We've got Andy Reid going back to Philadelphia. We've got the Arizona Cardinals and Los Angeles Rams, both unbeaten, both in the NFC West. And that should be an incredible game right now. We've got unbeaten Dallas versus unbeaten Carolina, which should be another terrific matchup. And who would have ever thought that Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers have never played at Lambeau Field, something they'll do this upcoming weekend. And then on Monday night, to cap it off, again, I think one of the great underrated matchups of this weekend, the Chargers and the Raiders, unbeaten Raiders, squaring off of Monday Night Football. Should be a great weekend of football. Should be a great week four. And, of course, the focus of week four will be on Sunday night. I want to thank Teddy Bruschi, Tom Brady's former teammate, our colleague at ESPN, my friend, for taking some time out of his very busy high school, college, NFL football schedule to join us on this podcast today. I want to thank Tom Brady's agent throughout his entire NFL career, Don Yee, for the time that he gave us. I want to thank my producer, Christina Buswell, uh, for putting up with me and putting this whole podcast together. And Christina, I always say the same thing because it's true. You put up with me and you put this together and you make it all happen. So thank you for that. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again next week when we are scheduled to be joined by the Packers running back, Aaron Jones. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe.